I can honestly say the enemy has done anything he possibly can this last week to try to destroy what God wants to do. And I can tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to work and wants to move in us, but we must keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. He is welcome here, but we have to welcome him. We have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, it is for you. Not about me, it is about you. And as was read about in John 16 of the Holy Spirit was going to come, and I think about what that must have been like for for Jesus. It's his last night with the disciples before he's betrayed. And what did they do? They, They took communion. And he let them know what was going to happen. What was going to take place? And then he gives them a bombshell and says, I have to leave. I'm going away, and it's a good thing. Yeah, right. That's what I'm thinking. They had spent around three years with him all the time, getting to know him and seeing all the miracles, all the wonderful things God had done in their physical midst. And yet Jesus says to them, guess what? It's a good thing that I'm going to leave. Because when I do, I will send the Holy Spirit. And he will come, and he's going to do amazing things. He will bring the helper. As we dive in today about the Holy Spirit and his purposes May we allow him to speak to our hearts. May we allow him to penetrate us in ways that maybe we we have a block wall up. And God's saying, I can't get through because you're not allowing. We see the Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict the world of sin. And John chapter 16, verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Well, for us to understand what conviction of sin is, let us first look and see what it is not. It's not simply a guilty conscience of, oops, uh, I feel guilty about doing something. It's not just that. Or even shame over sin. Such feelings are naturally experienced by almost everyone. And it's also not just a sense of fear or fearful apprehension of being punished, of that divine punishment. It's understanding that not just looking of every corner, I'm going to be punished, I'm going to be uh, in trouble. That's not what it means for biblical conviction. It's not merely the knowledge of right and wrong, for many people read the Bible and are fully aware that the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. They may know that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things 
of the world. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. They may even agree that the wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. Yet even with all that knowledge, they continue to live in sin. They understand the consequences, but they're far from being convicted of their sins. I liken it to a kid who goes to school and they want to check out their teacher. They want to see what they can do and what they can't do. They want to find out what that line is. And so they, they kind of go up to that line and did they get reprimanded? Well, that's not the line. And they, even though they've been told don't do it, they cross it. Have you ever done that? I don't know about you. I've only done this once and I probably, I know I shouldn't have. It said, don't touch wet paint have to touch it just to see, right? We tend to do what we know we shouldn't, and, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. And I remember what my mom said when I was younger. If everyone walked off a cliff, would you do so as well? Let me think about that. <laughs> but isn't that how we act at times? So what is truly biblical conviction. It is to convince someone of the truth, to reprove, to accuse, refute, or cross-examine a witness from gotquestions.org. See, the Holy Spirit is like a prosecuting attorney who exposes evil, reproves, and convinces people that they need Jesus. If I were to give you a medicine today to cure you from cancer, but you didn't realize you had cancer, how many of you would take the medicine? Wow, I didn't see any hands go up. Until you realize your need of a savior, you're fine. You don't need to repent because you don't have a reason to, even though the cancer is growing inside. The truth of the matter is, until we are able to see what it is, we won't be convicted. See, to be convicted is to feel the overwhelming repulsiveness of sin. In Psalm chapter 5 and verse 4, oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Do we just kind of, have we gotten where we just accept stuff that we normally would have never in the past and thinking it's okay? That scares me. When we are saying it's, it's okay to get just a little closer to that line, no one's going to care. Do we, when we sin, do we realize how repulsive it is? And then I think of Isaiah in chapter 6 and verse 5. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Oh, how amazing our God is. 
Do we take the time to say, Almighty God, look how great you are, to see his love, to see his grace. And then when we seem, we're now seeing how we look. Are we repulsed by sin? Do we let it bother us? Do we even realize how it destroys us? A question each of us must ask ourselves, does it bother us when we sin? Does it concern us? And conviction of righteousness in John chapter 16 and verse 10, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And I'm sure they felt, wait a minute, why do you have to go? But yet greater things were coming because he was going to the Father. You know, at times I wonder when it comes to sin, we, we like to call other people out for what they've done. It's not our job. It's the Spirit's job to convince people that Jesus Christ is the only perfectly righteous one who is perfectly measured up to what God's holy standard is. This dif differentiates Christ from all the other so-called messiahs. You can go anywhere and find a self-appointed Messiah, somebody who claims to have special acceptance with God. There are David Koresh's around every corner. What makes Jesus the real Messiah? What makes him the righteous one? What sets him apart? Jesus answered that himself when he said, I go to the Father, and the resurrection and the ascension of Christ are what put him in a class all by himself. No other person can claim that. Muhammad had a good rap and talked about it and talked a good talk, but when he died, nobody ever saw him again. Buddha looked very comfortable in his repose, but when he died, nobody was able to locate him again. Confucius had many wise and creative sayings, but when he went to the grave, no one could affirm him again. But Jesus died on Friday and got up on Sunday and showed himself alive to more than 500 brethren from 1 Corinthians 5, 6. And by the way, this is a quote from Tony Evans. I was going to get to that. Uh, and as he concludes his thought, the time or the thing that sets Jesus apart and the reason I'm a Christian today is that the grave is empty. Jesus Christ is the only one who has beaten death and can lay claim to being the righteous standard of God. From Tony Evans. Secondly is conviction of judgment. John 16, 11 says, Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So how do you know that judgment is real? Because the ruler of the world has already been judged. For if Satan could get away with being judged, who do you think, who do we think we are that we would get off? And yet, Jesus said he's already been judged. It's already taken place. It's going to happen. See, Jesus 
didn't just stop there, because I know maybe some of you this morning are going, man, this is depressing. Look at all the bad things. But he didn't just stop there with the disciples. He said, there are some amazing things about the Holy Spirit. And that he would come, he would judge the world, but there were going to be benefits uh, through the Holy Spirit to the believer. So what are those benefits? Obviously today we don't have time to go through every benefit that the Holy Spirit gives. I just want to go through a few of them uh, this morning. But he said in John 16, 7, but, the, it, but in fact it is best for you go away because I, if I don't, the advocate, the helper won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So Jesus was sending the Holy, Holy Spirit, the helper. And I know many times in my own life how the Holy Spirit has come and he has moved in my life. Oh, how desperate we need the Holy Spirit. We need his presence. We need him to work and move. And he is our helper. What a great benefit. Because Jesus on earth could only be at one place at one time where the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And he wants to work and move in each one of our hearts if we'll let him. Are we willing to do that? And John 16, 13 through 15, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. He gives guidance. Aren't you glad that he gives the guidance that we need? In our world today, oh, how, how we need guidance. All you have to do is go to a YouTube video and type in stupid things and don't do that. I don't know what will come up because there's a lot of dumb things that people do. We need spiritual guidance. We need the Lord to show us how to act, how to behave. And he said he will give guidance. The best guidance that we could ever have Guidance into, the, into all the truth, not just part of the truth, but all the truth. He continued and said he would give a benefit of knowing the future. He would fully explain everything that may now appear dark or difficult to you, will give you such a knowledge of futility and shall in all necessary cases enable you to foretell future events and shall supply every requisite truth in order to make the new covenant revelation complete and perfect from from Adam Clark. He also gave the benefit of remembrance. And John 14 and verse 26, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I told you. 
I don't know about you, that is exciting to me because I'm very forgetful. That we would remember what was done for us and not take for granted the love and the joy that God had in sending his son for us. That's why we take communion, so that we don't forget all that was done for us. And that he never leaves us. There may be times we feel alone, but yet we're never alone. In John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He will never leave us, never forsake us. And he will set us free from the power of sin and death. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. How often do we live as people that are defeated? And the Holy Spirit says, no, you are not defeated. You are victors. And you can have victory. And the Holy Spirit will give you victory over sin and death. And the Holy Spirit will teach us to pray. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. As we conclude this morning, as we understand what God has done for us, the benefits that have been so granted to us, and that we can truly know in him we can find life and we can find hope. As we leave this week, may we be reminded of all that the Lord has done for us. He has went to incredible lengths to get our attention. Today, if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what a day that you can have these burdens lifted. What was the responsibility of the Holy Spirit? To come and to convict the world of sin. Not because he doesn't love you, but because he does. And he wants you to know how desperately we need him. On our own, we will fail. We need to repent. If you've never made that decision, I'm going to ask a bold thing to do, that you just come forward right now. If you sit in the front row, that's okay. And just plead with the Lord to give your life to him. He longs to work in you. It's amazing what can happen if we're willing to say, it's not about me, it's about you.
Secondly, for us that have accepted Christ, you may have had a relationship with Christ for 30 years or more. How are you doing? Have you allowed things to creep in and get in the way of what God wants to do in your life? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember he has identified you as, your, as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you today to make a decision, to hand it over and not grieve the Spirit. But follow what John says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. As Mike plays, please don't leave today without doing business with the Lord because he longs for us to say it's not about us, it's about him. There are so many benefits in coming to him and not just going through the motions, but allowing him to be Lord of your life. You come as I pray. Don't let this day end until you've really said, okay, God, it's yours. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your love that is beyond what we can imagine. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they would not be afraid to come forward, that they would be willing to come and really taste and see how great you are. And that you would work in such a powerful way. And also, Lord, if there's one that has been holding on to sin where it's almost just become something that they've gotten used to, help them to see that you hate sin and you long for a change to happen and that freedom can be found. And Lord, we, we give you praise. We give you honor, and we thank you for this day. Go with us and speak to us and through us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.